talking about cultivating joy. And so I want to ask us today, what is joy? And in our society today, joy is often equated with a feeling of happiness, you know, feeling happy. I was very happy this week as I got my shoulders massaged. I was very happy when I ate my ice cream sundae. And, and how, do we, how do we find happiness? Many, there are many promises out there today that, that promise happiness. One that I came across this week was this Coca-Cola ad. It says, Coca-Cola, open a Coke and open happiness. I go, oh man, if it was that easy. All I have to do is drink 52 grams of sugar, which is the equivalent of 13 teaspoons of sugar, and then I'll be happy. If only I had known sooner, my life could have been much, much happier. I'm being facetious, but but what is joy? Is it happiness, and, and, and where do we find it? To this, uh, this week, I read multiple articles online on the science behind ha- happiness, and I'm, I'm no doctor, I'm no psychologist, and yet these, these articles described how our brains produce these chemicals that are relayed, are largely responsible for this feeling of happiness. And, and some of the main ones are serotonin and dopamine and endorphins. And it was interesting as I was reading through various, various articles, they talked about different activities that have been shown to increase um, the release of those chemicals in our brains. And one um, article specifically called these activities joy enablers. And that, that was interesting to me. That, that caught my attention. Some of the things that they listed were exercise and movement, smiling and laughing. Even just a simple smile can tell your brain to release those chemicals that make you feel happier. Playing, having fun, being creative, expressing yourself, learning something new, intellectually stimulating yourself, Um, being in nature, vitamin D, gratitude, practicing gratitude and positive self-talk, being a part of positive relationships and communities of belonging. And then all of the articles also mentioned some sort of meditation and prayer. And, and one of the things I loved about these lists is that it integrates all different aspects of our being, the physical, the emotional, the intellectual, and the spiritual. And I love how God created us, these complex beings, with all these different aspects that are intertwined, that are working together, that are affecting each other. And we were created with a great capacity for joy. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So let's look at Scripture uh, to see what, what are some of the things that Scripture says about joy. We'll start off in Philippians 4.4. 4. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. So we're just told to rejoice in the Lord. And in, in how often? Always. Always. Rejoice in the Lord and be joyful. Does it seem strange to you? that the word always is in there? Or does it seem unrealistic to you? 
I asked myself that question this week. And, and the good news is that joy is also a fruit of the Spirit, and so it is a gift from God produced in us by the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, verse 22, you have the list, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're told to rejoice always, and we're also told that joy is from God, and it is a gift from God. And so though joy may make us happy, sometimes it may give us that feeling of happiness, joy is much more than a feeling of happiness. And so how do we define joy, specifically the joy we, we see in Scripture, biblical joy? And I'd like, to, I'd like to talk about this definition today. Joy is a deep inner sense of confidence and hope in God's love. So joy as a deep inner sense of confidence and hope in God's love. And and so the big thing that I'd like to look at today is how joy is found specifically in God's love. Let's look at Zephaniah 3 first. And and this is not a typical... um, Bible verse that we go to when we consider God's love, but I I find it beautiful. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. The Lord your God will take great delight in you. And in his great love, God rejoices over us with singing. So I have two girls. We have two girls. And when they were really little, um, we had a fairly extensive bedtime routine because to get them to calm down and go to sleep was a bit, of, a bit of a workout. But one of the things, one of the parts of our routine was that I would get in bed with them, and I would sing them little nursery rhymes. And we'd do Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and we'd have the little hand motions, and we'd do the Itsy Bitsy Spider, and we would sing together. And then as the girls got older, um, they kind of graduated from the nursery rhymes, and they wanted Micah to come in with his guitar and sing, and sing to them. And Micah would go in and sing over them. And the girls' job at that point, and we made it very clear, this is your job, this is what you have to do. The girls' job was to lay in bed and be still and receive our love just to be sung over, to take delight in being loved and being cared for. And we were delighting over them. And also, as many of you know who've cared for small children, we were delighted when they finally fell asleep as well. Um, God, because we were, at times we'd be tired, but God, God does not tire like we do. And so I have this picture of him, the perfect loving parent, singing over us, his children, delighting over us with endless love and patience and energy. And it's this gift of love 
that brings great joy. In Isaiah 61, verse 10, Isaiah paints a picture of the reciprocal. Isaiah writes, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. I delight in the Lord. What does it mean to delight in God? What does that look like in your life, to delight in God? When I ask myself that question, I think of being present with God. I can be with my children and not be present, but truly being attentive to them, and and in the same way with God, to be present with God, and to be available and open and attentive and more aware of his presence in my life. I think of spending time with God um, that's enjoyable, something fun with God, or something that we can share together, like singing. We were just singing. Acknowledging and thanking him for who he is, the essence of love, He is our creator and our sustainer. And joy is found in part in delighting in God as he delights in us. Delighting in God as he delights in us. And I I love that. Jesus said in John 15, 9 through 11, he said this. He said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So Jesus says, remain in my love and my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. When we delight in and when we live in God's love, he cultivates joy in us. This, again, sometimes it's a feeling of happiness, but, but this joy is a deep inner sense of confidence and hope in God's love. So what is it that we can do to be more joyful in our life? Because I've asked myself that. Because I want to be more joyful. I I want that. What is it that I can do to be more joyful? I think that the first thing is to ask God for joy. Because it is God who cultivates joy in us and gives that to us. That's why it's a fruit of the Spirit. And then in, in, in John 15 here, Jesus says, Remain in my love. If you want joy then let's remain in God's love. Intentionally abide there. What does it look like to remain in Jesus' love? I think, first of all, I mean, and we could probably answer a whole bunch of different ways, so this isn't an all-inclusive list here, but first of all, I think it's to accept Jesus' love for us, to accept the fact that, that we are his child, to relinquish control to him, to give our lives over to him, to follow Jesus and to imitate his life of love. 
meditation and prayer also comes to mind in, in this idea of remaining and abiding in God's love. Time spent with God as one spends time with a close friend. And sometimes that's in silence and solitude, and sometimes that's in conversation. But being aware of and inviting his presence in my life is part of remaining in Jesus' love. And then, and then the other thing that really comes to mind when I ask myself, what does it look like to remain in, in Jesus' love? It's to love myself and to love others as Jesus loves. To love myself and to love others as Jesus loves. And at church, we really like to talk about, and rightly so, loving others. That's really important. And yes, Jesus calls us to do that. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We're also to accept ourselves as a loved child of God. So when I think of loving ourselves as part of accepting God's love, I think of of loving and, and caring for our bodies, our physical Bodies, that's part of it because God created that to, to intentionally thank God for creating us in our uniqueness, to celebrate the, the differences in our hair and the differences in our skin colors and the differences in our eyes and our height, just our physical appearance as a beautiful display, display of divine creativity and divine delight in his creation. And as we care and love for our physical bodies, we honor our creator with gratitude. I think that's part of it. Something I've been learning for the last few months is is part of, of loving and caring for myself as God would is, is that God created me, God created us with a capacity to enjoy and a capacity to smile and laugh and play. And these are good things to do, to enjoy nature, to read a book in the sun, and to thank God for the warmth. Um, one of the things I've been doing for, for a, longer than a few months, but one of the things I've been doing for about a year and a half, I'd say, is uh, trying to learn the piano. So Micah's great-grandmother, Mary Beth, teaches piano. So for the last year and a half, we've been working on the same song, Canon in D. And I love it. Um, I'm totally not musical, but it's been, um, it's been a joyful experience. And, and, and some might ask, well, how is that, how is, how is that spiritual? <laughs> how is that remaining in Jesus' love. And for me, God is teaching me through that to create space in my life for rest and for enjoyment and for gratitude in, in what he has done. And so part of remaining in God's love is, is accepting and loving ourselves as God accepts and loves us. And then the other part is to love others by imitating Jesus' love in our relationships. Jesus loved with humility and grace. Jesus loved with eyes on the lookout for the marginalized and the voiceless. 
And it's important, I think, to do this in different levels or to think about it in different levels in my life. So for me, I think of concentric circles that kind of move out. And so I have the circle, my family, that's really close to me. And I ask, how can I love them? And then my friends and then the different communities that I'm a part of. Um, and loving others means I'm aware or try to be aware of the needs around me educating myself on what's happening and listening to different perspectives and experiences and asking both myself and God, asking God to reveal to me, you know, as I remain in you, as I remain and experience Jesus' love and joy for, my, for me, how can I engage others with that joy, with that same love? And I think God answers us when we, a- when we ask that question. It's not always an easy question to answer. At this point, some of you may be thinking, you know, I, I like the idea of joy, and joy sounds great, um, but it's really not my reality. I don't, I don't live there. I don't live in joy. And maybe your reality um, has a lot more pain in it, Maybe a lot more hardship and grief, injustice or struggle. And maybe even you're asking if, if joy is available to you. I know in my life I've asked that at different times. And, uh, and I think something that's really encouraging to me is that joy and pain can coexist. Joy, this, this deep inner sense of confidence and hope in God's love, can coexist with the struggles that we face. Um, Habakkuk 3 is an interesting scripture um, written at a time in an agricultural society where that's how you ate, was, you know, was agriculture. Habakkuk 3.17 says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And as I read this passage about joy in the midst of extreme hunger, I recognize my privilege I recognize that I've never had to put my kids to bed hungry because we've always had food. So I want to I want to acknowledge that there are real struggle and real pain um, in people's lives today. And I don't want to belittle or oversimplify and give a trite answer and say, you know what, just be joyful in God and you'll be fine. You know, I, I don't I don't want to give that kind of an answer today. There's a reason why Jesus' followers are called to help carry each other's burdens in very real and tangible ways. I do want to point out that joy is available and that joy can coexist with whatever pain or struggle we are facing at this time. And just joy is found specifically in God's love for us. God's love for us does not falter when we are struggling. God's love for us does not falter when we're in pain. 
we can still have confidence and hope in his love. I think of, I think of a child who's hurt. Um, Rachel, a couple weeks ago, fell and broke her arm. Um, it's totally unexpected, but I guess, I guess kids do that. Fall and you break your arm. And I think of, of a child who's hurt, and what do the parents do? They move in closer to take care of that child. Well, that's what we want to do. I almost didn't take her to the ER because I thought she was faking it, and I didn't think her arm was actually broken. But God knows us better than that. You know, when our child is hurt, the parent moves in closer. Psalm 34 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And our perfectly loving God moves in close when we are hurting. And that is where we can find joy. I wanted to go to one other verse that talks about joy in an interesting way. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's in Nehemiah 8, verse 10. And Nehemiah is speaking to a remnant of Israel who's endured great hardship. They've endured exile and violence. And now they're given a fresh start. And this is what Nehemiah says to them. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drink and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That there is strength available Enjoy available in God. And that strength is not dependent on ourselves, on our willpower, our circumstances. That joy comes and that strength comes from the joy found in a God who loves us much more than we can imagine. A God who is always present and attentive to us. And a God who is always working to heal brokenness and to draw his beloved creation back to himself. I love that. I want that kind of joy. More of that in my life. So Philippians 4.4, where we started, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. I think the key to this joyfulness is that it's found in the Lord. That this joy is found in God. No matter what is going on in our lives, we can be confident and hopeful in that God, in his endless love, is present. That he is delighting over us. That he is singing over us, rejoicing. And God's love can become for us this anchor of joy that holds us steady when life throws things at us. I want to close today by reading some words written by Archbishop Desmond Tutu, a man who who suffered much in his life and has worked hard with people who to, to bring about joy and forgiveness in people's lives who've experienced some atrocities. And this is what he writes. He says, Dear child of God, 
You are loved with a love that nothing can shake. A love that loved you long before you were created. A love that will be there long after everything has disappeared. You are precious with a preciousness that is totally quite immeasurable. And God wants you to be like God, filled with life and goodness and laughter and joy. God wants us to be filled with joy. Friends, that is our invitation to find joy in God's love. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this great love. Lord, we thank you for this image of you delighting in us, of you rejoicing over us and singing over us. And Lord, um, I confess that at times that, that seems uncomfortable to be that child somehow. But God, I just, we, want, we want to accept that want to accept your love. Teach us how to accept your love, God. Thank you for delighting in us and help us to remain in that love. Lord, we ask that you would cultivate in us this joy that is found in your love, this confidence and hope in you, God. And I pray that this joy would be our strength and would be our anchor. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we leave here today, I want to send us off with this benediction. May we live joyfully anchored in God's love for us. May we delight in God as he delights in us. And may we engage all people out of the joy and love that God is cultivating in us. Have a joyful week.